Welcome to today's episode of Another Epidemic. What's up, everybody? My name is Esther, and I'm one of your co-hosts for today's show. Welcome to our episode of Another Epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking about teen pregnancy. So you may be wondering, why is our episode called Another Epidemic if we're talking about teen pregnancy? That's exactly what we're going to answer for you today. Joined by my other two co-hosts, we're going to be talking about why teen pregnancy is considered an epidemic and what the social stigmas are around it. And then we'll further be talking about how these social stigmas influence the actuality of the pregnancy. So health complications that come with these stigmas and how uh, it actually affects these teen women when it comes to receiving health care. We'll also be looking at the birth weight paradox and how this also relates to teenage pregnancy as well. So there's a lot that we'll be covering today. We hope you join us for this ride and learn a lot at the end of today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jordan Parrish. And I'm your other co-host, Brittany Boulay. So, like Esther said, our podcast is about teen pregnancy. So we're going to discuss the epidemic that is teen pregnancy. You can't see me right now, but when I said epidemic, I did air quotes. Uh, We're also going to discuss the societal stigmas of teen pregnancy and the implications of that for a little before we dive into how socioeconomic status and race affect the prenatal care of teen mothers using the birth weight paradox. That sounds exciting. Wait, so how does this look in America and in our society? Yeah, so good question. So according to the World Health Organization, who 21 million girls around the ages of 15 to 19 get pregnant every single year. And about 12 million of those girls give birth. So because of these numbers, who considers teen pregnancy a serious social and global problem? Wow, are you serious? A serious social and global problem? Wait till they hear about world hunger. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Um, And despite these all over the world, teen pregnancy is more common in marginalized communities stricken with poverty and the lack of education and employment opportunities. Wait, so just so I'm understanding this, then how does teen pregnancy intertwine with race and socioeconomic status? So to touch on those, according to the Pro-Choice America Foundation in the United States, one in three Hispanic teen girls and four in 10 African-American teen girls will become pregnant at least once before they turn 20. That number's insane. But this is in comparison to the one in six non-Hispanic white teen girls who will get pregnant before the age of 20. Those are some crazy numbers. Like what? I know, it's insane. So according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, also very ironic that they're reporting on this, less favorable socioeconomic conditions such as low education and low income levels of a teen's family contribute to a high teen birth rate. I know it's crazy, but because of those numbers, teen pregnancies are shamed and stigmatized, and a lot of folks think that this is the way to prevent this epidemic. You know, I'm still trying to wrap my my mind around the fact that they can actually call this an epidemic. I can't imagine how difficult it is for teen mothers to be dealing with all that they have to deal with and, you know, add on to all the stigmatization and judgment and everything like that. 
So yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. While this is such a flawed way of thinking, these societal stigmas obviously affect the access to care for these women and the way their physicians treat them. So this is why teen mothers have a higher risk of developing many pregnancy complications and infections. And Jordan will elaborate more on that later. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brittany, for sharing all that with us. Now, before we get into the research, let's ask some friends about teen pregnancy. I do think that people misuse the word epidemic as it relates to teen pregnancy. I think the word epidemic could be applied to the lack of sex education, the lack of comprehensive sex education um, in our country, which as we know, leads to higher rates of teen pregnancy here in the United States. I think there also could be, you could refer to the sort of silence around teen pregnancy um, as an epidemic as well. For example, I used to work with a group of teens, um, one who had three babies by the age of 17, and she did not tell anyone about the first her first pregnancy until about five weeks before she gave birth. Um, and she suffered a lot of health consequences because of that. And I think that the danger comes when we have, um, you know, teens who do become pregnant and don't say anything to anyone. That can lead to long-term health problems, um, and, and that can also just contribute more to societal stigma around pregnancy. Yes, I think regardless of intent, um, labeling something an epidemic is bound to have negative effects. Um, when I hear epidemic, I think of a widespread disease, um, an illness, something that's spreading among a lot of people. And I think labeling teen pregnancies, that is, um, yeah, th- those are the things that come to mind. I know it might be viewed differently in other countries versus here in the U.S. So, for example, um, where my parents are from Jamaica, I know it's much more common and it's not seen as so much of a negative thing, but I know here it's, it's a very, there's a huge stigma around teen pregnancy. So um, I definitely think it depends on the country and where people are from. But for me growing up, I've been, I feel like I've been more sympathetic to it based on the background of where my family comes from. Now, in addition to our friends, we also got our TA, Eugenia, to hop on and share some of her thoughts. So take it away, Eugenia. My name is Eugenia Zavaleta. I am a Salvadorian anthropologist and a PhD student of anthropology at Vanderbilt University. I don't think I have a specific specific opinion about teen pregnancies. For me, teen pregnancy is a complicated and, and intricate topic because it involves the cultural construction of childhood and adulthood. In this sense, it is assumed that pregnancy is a responsibility usually attributed to adult life. As someone whose research is focused on the anthropology of childhood and children, I have witnessed in Salvadoran environments how children and youth are engaging in risky activities, such as labor, migration, gang membership, or even they have participated actively in wars of national liberation and armed conflicts. All these activities have in common that there is a duality to be discussed, agency and a structure. Children and youth are not always seen, constructed, understood, and researched as full-fledged subjects who have agency, or human beings who make their own decisions. They are usually understood as people who are not in control of their lives, and are inherently dependable and vulnerable. With all that being said, I consider that teen pregnancy needs further discussion and more nuanced approaches. 
particularly in those contexts where the conceptions and models of childhood as a social practice are changing. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I hope this perspective illuminates your work. Thanks so much for sharing with us, Eugenia. We really appreciate your insight and your background into our podcast. Now that we've heard some opinions from some of our friends, let's head straight into the research with Jordan. We'll be looking specifically at how a mother's socioeconomic status and background might affect her baby and her health-wise. This will be discussed how a mother's health is affected by the social and behavioral happenings, both before and during her pregnancy. Two, what lasting effects this might have on her life and her child's life. And three, how looking at the birth outcome is a great indicator of this disparity. All righty, let's get into it. All right. The health complications and common risks of a teen pregnancy include, one, an increased risk of high blood pressure, anemia, premature birth, having low birth weight babies, and experiencing postpartum depression. Another thing to note is, according to a study done, an estimated 20% of routine prenatal visits by girls ages 15 to 19 happened in places other than OBGYN offices, such as community health centers or non-emergency hospital departments, suggesting that they might not have access to these specialists who deal in prenatal care. Wait, so does that mean that they're not getting the same benefits and treatment as other mothers are? Yes. To further that point, women without health insurance are those on Medicaid or those who've lived in urban areas are more likely not to visit an OBGYN compared to women with private insurance and those living in large suburban areas. All women are advised to see a doctor as soon as they find out they're pregnant, but many, especially teens, may not be able to afford or receive prenatal care from a specialist, so they may turn to social service organizations or to other low to no cost options. Wait, no way, you're so right. And like from the research that I've done, studies show that teenage pregnancy is considered a social problem, largely because of two reasons. So one, because of the harm caused on the health of the mother and the children affected, and two, because of its implications for the welfare expenditure of the governments. And, you know, I can definitely see some parallels of that research to like the material discussed in class. For example, when we read the Galvez novel, she constantly wrote about the implicit bias in the American healthcare system and how social and disproportionate disadvantages result in poor birth outcomes. Like the novel also considers immigrant women reproducing a social problem and their children are considered economic burdens to the country, which is exactly how society sees the offspring of teen mothers. There's just so many different factors that affect teen mothers from social judgment and stigmas um, to what you were saying, Brittany, and socioeconomic status like Jordan, you were saying, What in the horrible world do we live in? Many health experts have also touched on the concerning issues of low birth weight, also known as the birth weight paradox. Many health experts have also touched on the concerning issues of low birth weight, also known as the birth weight paradox, which is defined as the paradoxical observation of babies from smoking mothers having a lower birth weight than children with non-smoking mothers but a lower infant mortality rate than children of non-smoking mothers, which in short terms means that smoking might contribute to a low birth weight, but there are other conditions and behaviors that have a more harmful impact on someone's mortality rate than smoking, say like someone's 
access to healthcare or degree of medical treatment, all issues of someone's socioeconomic status. So basically, in short, you're saying that I could be a smoking mother and have a baby potentially healthier than a non-smoking mother. And this would show that there are other external factors that could potentially harm the baby. Exactly, Esther. In fact, studies done on maternal age and low birth weight indicate that low birth weight disparities by maternal age, say like teen mothers, are a complex product of socioeconomic disadvantage and current social and behavioral factors in her current life. That's absolutely crazy. How about we hear directly from the stories of two mothers from completely different backgrounds? I'm 17 years old, and I go to a private school where we have a pretty extensive sex education. I knew about birth control and condoms, but I just didn't care enough. Here I am now, seven months pregnant. Everything's been smooth sailing, though. My dad basically takes care of all the expenses, and my mom makes sure I'm eating all the right stuff, and I'm taking all the right supplements. I really couldn't have done it without them. They also make sure I go to the OBGYN every week, even though I tell them I'm fine. Whenever I go to the doctors, they give me seven different pills to eat every day for the health of the baby. I'm excited about my parents becoming grandparents and myself becoming a mother. But I need to study for the SAT now to go to Vanderbilt. I'm 17 years old and I was never really taught how to have safe sex. Our school covered how periods and male parts work and just that we shouldn't have sex. But other than that, we were left with nothing. Now, I'm seven months pregnant with very little options. The baby's father is trying to find as many jobs as he can to support the child, but the hospital fees are too expensive for us to keep up. We had to decline several parental prenatal care procedures and treatments that we knew were important, but just couldn't afford. I also wish I knew more about how I should be taking care of myself during the pregnancy. The doctors seem to belittle me because of my circumstances, and it makes me unconfident as a mother. It looks like all my dreams and aspirations of college and jobs are down the drain. The two stories of these teen mothers are only a small glimpse into the actual reality of what it's like to be a teen mother in one economic situation as well as the other economic situation. For one, getting prenatal health care for your baby is a privilege. For the other, it's practically already laid out for you. As we listen to these stories of the two mothers, we would like you, our listeners, to really reflect on what these stories mean and how they apply to you and what reality is actually like. Okay, so from social stigmas... To health complications. Teen mothers are unfairly affected by societal judgments and inequities resulting in disproportionate birth outcomes affecting both the child and the mother. So instead of viewing teen pregnancy as a social problem or an epidemic as stated by the World Health Organization, take into account the difficulties surrounding this decision and remember to mind your own business. Also, don't forget to check your privilege, as not everyone comes from the same background. It could be your sister, your daughter, or even your mother. So we hope you learned a thing or two from our podcast. Thank you all for listening. Peace out.